We're right in the middle of our fall series called Remnant, and we've been uh, really talking about some hard truths, I think, hard truths this fall. Um, And I found myself over these last several weeks as we've been walking through this series, um, just really wrestling with some of the concepts that we've been talking about as a church. In fact, I found myself over the last few weeks finding points where I just completely disagree with Pastor Steve. Now, I don't disagree with him because I think he's wrong. My problem and the angst that I feel is I disagree with him because I know he's right, but I don't want him to be. I'm hearing Steve talk to us about uh, God's truth and God's word for our time, that that we are living in a post-Christian culture and that as a result of the times that we are living in, the church is no longer in the center of our society. It has been moved to the margins. I don't like that. One of the hardest things for me to hear during this series is that not just that the church has been moved to the margins, but that we should go there quietly. We've talked about the fact that it's as if culture has told us to go to our rooms and we want to go kicking and screaming, but what we've been hearing in this series is that really, as God's people, we should go quietly. And I I just haven't liked that. It hasn't been sitting well with me. And so I've been wrestling through that. And and as I've been thinking about that, I've been asking myself the question, why why do I not want to go to the margins? And why do I not want to go there quietly? And what I've come to conclude about myself is that really what it comes back to is that to me that feels like quitting. It feels like giving up. It feels like throwing in the towel and disengaging. It's as if we've been pushed to the side and if we go quietly, it's just like we're putting our hands up to say there's nothing else that we can do in our culture or in our world. And so it's like disengaging. It's like quitting. It's like giving up. But as I've been sitting with what Pastor Steve's been sharing with us, and I think we're all called to sit with what Pastor Steve has been sharing with us because I think what he's been sharing with us is a word from the Lord for our time. And so as we sit with that truth and wrestle through it, and we need to ask ourselves the question, what is God trying to say to us in the here and now so that we can live faithfully in our time for our God? As I've been sitting with that question, what I've come to realize is that God's been teaching me that we are exiles, God's remnant in this world, and moving to the margins quietly isn't disengaging from culture or society, it's not throwing in the towel, it's not quitting, it's not giving up, it's simply discovering a new way to engage with our culture, to stay on mission with God even in this post-Christian era in our world. The rules of the game have changed. Our environment has shifted. And we can stay in the center and pretend like we're here and pretend like the game is still the same. Or we can actually make the adjustments based on what has occurred. And we can engage with our world differently to stay on mission with our God. That's 
kind of where we're at in the second part of this series. The first part of the series was really about discovering what kind of time are we in? What, what are the times that are around us? And we talked about that for a few weeks and then we shifted gears to start talking about four pillars of what we might call our missional engagement in this post-Christian culture. How do we, as God's people, live faithfully in this time? What are the kinds of people that our time calls for? That if we were to engage in these characteristics and live them out faithfully, we would be an influence for God's kingdom in the midst of our time. And so we've been talking about the fact that we need to be people of purity and civility and integrity and generosity. People that if we, if we could live out these characteristics that God has called us to as his people, as his remnant in this culture, that we could actually influence this culture for God's kingdom. And as I've thought about that, I, I think it's important just to note that these characteristics, they're not ones that God just made up just in the last few weeks since we're in this new era. These are four things that God's always called his people to be about. He's always called us to be people of moral purity. He's always called us to engage with society in a civil way. He's called us always to be people of integrity. And he's always called us to be people of generosity, giving to the world around us. But what ends up happening sometimes with God's people, you can see this in the Old Testament, you can see it in our day, that when God's people are at the center of a society, we get so wrapped around the society and culture of our day that when that society or culture shifts away from God and away from godly values, we are so entwined with it that we shift right along with the culture. Our message stays basically the same. We still stand for the same issues we've always stood for, but over time, our behavior begins to shift. So that the discernible difference between God's people and the world is negligible at best. And when that happens, God's people lose their witness. Even though they might be saying the same things they've always said and proclaiming the gospel they've always proclaimed, if their lives are not the kind of lives marked by the character and truth of God, then it doesn't matter what our message is. People will not believe it and they will not live according to it. So when God's people are pushed out onto the margins of a society, if we will go quietly, we can discover that being on the margins, it's not disengaging. It's not quitting. It's not giving up. It is actually a calling. It's a divine opportunity that God is giving us to recover our witness live faithfully in our culture in such a way that it influences the culture for God's kingdom. So the last two weeks, we've talked about purity and civility. Today, I wanna to talk to you about integrity. We are called to be people of integrity inside a culture of deceit and duplicity. The prevailing way that our culture functions right now is to be dishonest, to, to lie, to cheat, to hold things back, 
to not present the full truth, to be deceitful and duplicitous. But we are called as God's people when culture is going this way to create an alternative, to be people of integrity. A person of integrity is someone whose interior life is aligned with God's character and God's truth. That strong interior moves outward into that person's life so that their words and their actions actually reflect the character and truth of God so that wherever they are, Whatever environment they're in, whatever situation is in front of them, whatever decision they're making or choice that they're deciding on, it all reflects who God is. That's what it means to be a person of integrity. This kind of person doesn't lie. They tell the truth and they tell the whole truth. They don't hold back some parts of the truth to bolster their case. In the same way, they don't embellish their truth to make, it, to make it seem more than it is. They simply put all of the facts on the table so that everyone has all of the facts as they're making the decision. A person of integrity doesn't cheat. They don't bend the rules. A person of integrity doesn't overlook issues of questionable ethics. A person of integrity keeps their vows. They make and keep promises. They fulfill their commitments. They mean what they say and they do what they say. A person of integrity is the same wherever you encounter them. So that if you find a person out in the community or at their place of work and then you see that person at church or in the privacy of their own home, you would see exactly the same person. A person of integrity doesn't live by different standards based on the situation or the environment. A person of integrity lives by one high standard all of the time, the standard of God's truth and God's character. This is what it means to be a person of integrity. And as God's people, as God's remnant in this day, we are called to be people of integrity. And we should be people of integrity because integrity reflects God's character. Leviticus 19, you heard it just a few moments ago when it was read for us. Be holy as I am holy. Right out of the holiness code, we are called to be holy like God. And then that passage goes on to delineate several ways that we are to demonstrate integrity. Look at the screen. Let's look at a few of these verses from Leviticus 19. Verse 11, do not steal. Do not lie. Do not deceive one another. Verse 12, do not swear falsely. Verse 13, do not defraud or rob your neighbor. Verse 15, do not pervert justice. Judge your neighbor fairly. Verse 35, do not use dishonest standards. What Leviticus 19 is telling us is that because God is holy and we are called to be holy like him, we must become people of integrity. Or to say it another way, if we take seriously God's command to become holy, then we must become people of integrity. We should be people of integrity because when we are, we reflect the character of our God 
And our world needs to see that. We should be people of integrity, not just because it reflects the character of God, but because Christ commands it. And as God's people, we are followers of Jesus Christ. And it is our life aim to become like Jesus, which means hearing his commands and doing what he says to do. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, let your yes be yes. And don't take an oath. Jesus isn't tearing down the idea of taking an oath or signing a contract because they're inherently bad. He's just saying if you're a follower of Christ and you are a person of integrity, you don't need an oath or a contract to strengthen your word. Your word is enough because you are a person of integrity. We should be people of integrity because it reflects God's character and because Christ, our Lord and Savior, has commanded it. But we should also be people of integrity because our world needs it. Our world needs us to be people of integrity. I was struck this week by Paul's words to Titus in Titus chapter 2. He writes to him and he says, Titus, tell the slaves that they should live such good lives in front of their masters so that everyone around them will know that they can be fully trusted. Here's why that's important. Paul says, so that the teaching about God, our Savior, will be attractive. Our world needs us to be people of integrity. As God's remnant in this world, we can't be deceitful and duplicitous like our culture. We have to be different. We have to be people of integrity so that the world, when they look at us and when they interact with us, they know we can be fully trusted. And when we are fully trusted, it will make the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive. And this is what our world needs They need to hear our message. They need to know it's true. They need to come to know our God and live for him. We need to be people of integrity because it reflects the character of God, because Christ, our Lord and Savior, commands it, and because the world that we live in needs it. Now, here's what I know. It would be hard for any of us in this moment to stand up and say, time out, I don't think we should be people of integrity. We would say, yes, we should be people of integrity. No one would stand up and make a case. I actually think God wants his people to be dishonest. No, we would all say, God wants us to be people of integrity, and we should be people of integrity. But here's the problem. We all know that we should be people of integrity, but what we know is that so many of God's people go out into the world and they choose duplicity. They choose to be dishonest. They tell the truth, but they hold parts of the truth back because by holding these facts back, it makes their case look better. Or we find ourselves in situations and we want to make ourselves look better than we really are, so we embellish the truth. Or we find ourselves in situations where we have an ethical decision to make and we think to ourselves, just this one time, no one will know, no one will find out, it's not that big of a deal, and we choose to be dishonest. Or we cheat. 
We cheat our employer. We cheat on our spouse. Or we find ourselves in moments where we are putting up a front and pretending to be someone that we are not. We want to appear to be holier than we really are. So if we know that God wants us to be people of integrity, and if we know Jesus has commanded it, and we know that our world needs it, why then do we choose to be duplicitous? And more importantly, how can we, as God's people, set a different course? How can we as God's people, God's remnant in this post-Christian culture that we live in, how can we become people of integrity? I don't have all of the answers to this question, but there are a couple of key thoughts that I've been having this week that I want to share with you. First, if we are going to get serious about becoming people of integrity, we must allow God's grace to transform us from the inside out. If we're going to be people who are aligned with God's truth and character, that begins at the very core of who we are. It begins with God doing a work inside of us that we cannot do for ourselves. You see, what often happens is we we think to ourselves, we should be people of integrity. I think Stephen Covey wrote a book that talked about that. I'll go pick that up, read that, apply it, and I'll become a person of integrity. Now, there's some good things that you might read in one of Covey's books, but the reality is this. If we are to become people of integrity, we need God to change our hearts. And Covey's book won't do that for you. You cannot change your heart. You need God to do that work. And if your heart has not been radically changed and altered, miraculously made holy to be like God's heart, it doesn't matter how many uh, tips you apply or practices that you engage in. If that change has not occurred, you won't become the person of integrity that you need to be for the long haul of your life. We need God to change us at the very core of who we are. This means we have to ask God to do his sanctifying, cleansing work in our hearts. We know God wants to do it, so we need to ask him. And then we need to wait. And we need to seek. And we need to be patient before God until God does that work in us. Because until that happens, all of the other stuff won't change us the way we need to be changed. It all begins at the core of who we are. Once our hearts are changed by God and we are aligned with his heart and he has put a new heart in us, then it is the process of having him over time renew and reshape our minds so that we actually think like Jesus Christ. This is what Paul prayed for the Christians in Philippi in Philippians chapter two. He said, I want your attitude or your mindset to be the same as that of Christ Jesus. As we engage in the disciplines of the faith, as we give ourselves to prayer and the reading of scripture and we let scripture wash over our souls, 
our minds are reshaped and renewed and we start to think like God. So that then when we encounter issues in our culture, in our world, things that show up on our desk in front of us, we can then make a decision, not with our mindset, but with the mindset of Christ. God changes our hearts, he renews our mind, and then we can live in ways that are consistent with the work God is doing inside of us. Our words and our actions begin to flow out of the strong interior that God has created within us so that the way we show up in the world actually looks like God. And it actually reflects God wherever we go and wherever we find ourselves. The way we interact with people, the decisions we make, the lifestyle choices that are in front of us, all of it flows out of a heart transformed by God's grace and a mind renewed by his spirit. And we actually begin to live in ways that reflect God's truth and God's character. Now here's why this is important. Understanding transformation as inside out because a lot of people come to faith in Jesus Christ and then they try to change their own life. They believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins but then they think it's up to them to change their life. And here's what happens. You can apply yourself to that pathway over a period of time but eventually the willpower runs out. And when the willpower runs out and you haven't been changed like you wanted to be changed and the change that you've experienced isn't lasting, you step back and you think to yourself, I'm just not cut out for this. And so you do what Christians all around North America have done. You live as a person who has a form of godliness but denies the power. You're a a nominal Christian. You believe in Jesus, but your life doesn't look like you believe in Jesus. Or, even worse, you just quit altogether and you walk away from faith because you think Jesus didn't deliver on the promise he made. The problem isn't that Jesus can't change us. It's that we thought we could change ourselves. What we need to do is ask Jesus to do work in us that we cannot do for ourselves and let him change us and transform us by his grace from the inside out. If we want to be people of integrity, that's where it begins. But that's not enough. If we want to be people of integrity in an ungodly culture, We need God's grace to transform us, but we also need God's people to strengthen us. If if my integrity is God and me over here on the side just working on a project all by ourselves, I will not be able to maintain my integrity over the long haul of my life when I'm out in the world when the going gets tough. It will not be enough to sustain the journey. I need God to do his work in me, but I also need God's people. Because it's when God's people gather around me that I find the support that I need on the journey that I am on. I hear their stories of transformation, and those stories become for me a model 
of how I can be changed and how I can become more like Christ. Their stories encourage me and they actually give me hope that it's possible to live out my calling. I need the community of faith to help me discover God's truth so I know how to live. I need God's community to help me process where I might be missing the mark. And when I miss the mark, I need the community of faith to hear my confession. And I need the community of faith to assure me of God's forgiveness. I need a community of faith who will, who will affirm me and support me when I go out in the world and I take stands for God. I need a community behind me, supporting me, encouraging me, lifting me up. And I need them to hold me accountable that I'm actually doing what I need to be doing as God's person out in the world. And when, I, when I'm not, I need the community to hold my feet to the fire and call me back to the right path. See, I can't be a person of integrity all by myself. I need a community of people who are all committed to helping every single one of us become people of integrity. This is what it means to be the remnant. That we are standing together, supporting one another, seeking God, and attempting to live for him in the world in which we live. As we think about becoming that kind of community, I think it's really important for us to remember that while we want to be a community that fosters integrity, sometimes churches become places that actually foster duplicity. When churches become places where you come and you put up a front because you don't want people to really know what's going on in your life, that kind of culture fosters duplicity, not integrity. If we have within the church a comparative system where we measure our spiritual maturity one against another instead of measuring it only against the person of Christ, we start to judge each other. And we hold truth back about our lives because if we share this truth about where we're really at in our relationship with God, we'll be lower on the totem pole. Or if I embellish this story about where I'm at in my spiritual maturity, I will one-up the person sitting next to me. When we have that kind of culture within the church, we're not fostering integrity, we're actually fostering duplicity. When we become a community where people can't confess their sin and search for God's grace in this community, we're in trouble because we're not fostering integrity. We're not bringing sin out into the light so we can deal with it and get God's grace to cover over it. Instead, we're hiding it and keeping it to ourselves. When people come to church and they think that the mess of their life has to be swept under the rug because all of the people around me seem so perfect, or at least way less messy than my life, that I gotta hide my stuff and I gotta hide it quick. We're not fostering integrity, we're fostering duplicity. If we cannot be open and honest and authentic with each other within the community of the church, how will we ever go out into the world and live as people of integrity in the midst of a culture who is absolutely opposed to our way of living? We won't. And this is exactly what is happening 
in churches all across North America. People are not being open and honest with each other. They're not confessing their sin and receiving the assurance, assurance of forgiveness. They're not walking with one another and helping each other grow in their journey to become like Christ. And because they're not an authentic community, they are not becoming the people of integrity our world needs today. See, it's important for us not just to say that we should be people of integrity. It's important for us as God's remnant to actually move towards that goal. That means we need God's grace to transform us from the inside out. And we need the community of faith to join together to say we're going to be a community that helps everyone become a person of integrity. Because when that happens, we find the strength and the courage we need to go out into the world and to live in accordance with God's truth and God's character. And we reflect him in all of the places where God puts us. In education, in healthcare, in business, in service trades, in our neighborhoods and in our homes. Everywhere we go and everywhere we find ourselves there, we are people of integrity and we are reflecting God's truth and God's character. And if we do that, we are becoming people who can be fully trusted. And when the culture around us knows that we can be fully trusted, we will have recovered our witness and people will know that the teaching about our God is attractive. And they'll move closer to our God, and that's what we are called to do. We must become people of integrity. 